VCY America presents Crosstalk, a nationwide call-in program discussing issues that have an effect on our families, our communities, our churches, our nation, and our world. Crosstalk, an opportunity for you to voice your concerns for biblical principles. And now live by satellite and around the world on the Internet at vcyamerica.org. Here is today's Crosstalk. We do thank you for joining us on Crosstalk here on VCY America. And friends, we trust you'll find it to be a very special program today filled with information on uh, topics perhaps you're not so familiar with. You know, in our country, for the most part, we have it pretty easy as it relates to religious liberty. We can go to Bible preaching churches on Sunday without fear of being turned into the secret police and listen to the Bible being read and being preached in our own language. Uh, We can put on Christian radio and hear the Word of God proclaimed in a language we understand. We can hand out gospel tracts, the printed Word of God proclaimed also in in a language we understand, uh, disseminated in many places. We can go to a public park, sit on a bench, openly read our Bibles. And speaking of our Bible, let me ask you, when, when was the last time you opened yours? Sadly, we so often take our Bibles for granted. We have many copies, even have them as an app on our cell phones. But are you reading it? Do you know that there are those who have paid the highest price, namely their own lives, giving their own lives so that you could have the Bible in the English language today? We're going to focus on one such individual today. But joining us in studio to uh, tell us the story and look back in the history, We have with us Dr. David Brown. He is pastor of the First Baptist Church of Oak Creek, Wisconsin. He does hold a master's degree in theology and Ph.D. in history, specializing in the history of the English Bible. He's a president of the King James Bible Research Council, also the president of Logos Communication Consortium, which is a research organization that produces a large variety of materials warning Christians of present dangers in our culture. He's an author of the book, The Indestructible Book, Examining the History of Our English Bible. Pastor Brown, welcome to Crosstalk. Well, I'm excited to be with you today. This is my favorite topic, Jim. I studied a lot to be able to put it together, and uh, we're going to be talking about my favorite martyr today because of the Bible. Well, we have many dates that we mark on our calendars uh, that are important to us, but most likely people do not have on their calendar the date of October 6th, 1536, which is the anniversary of the martyrdom of William Tyndale. Who exactly is William Tyndale? Well, William Tyndale is the man that God used uh, to help break the vice-grip grasp of the Roman Catholic Church on the people because Rome only wanted them to have a Bible in Latin and didn't even want the common man to read a Bible in Latin. So God raised up a man named William Tyndall, and in 1526, I'm holding a facsimile copy right here. The real copy is locked up at home, but we have the first English New Testament that was published in the language. Now, back in 1380, uh, John Wycliffe hand-translated from the Latin a Bible into Middle English, but it would take 10 months Jim, it would take 10 months for a scribe to copy a Bible in Middle English back in the 1300s. While, boy, uh, some exciting things happened when William Tyndall was able to print a Bible in 1526. He was actually known as the father of the English Bible. Yes, he was. He was because he was the first one to be able to print the New Testament, yes. Um, he lived just 42 years, 42 years in his life from 1494 to 1536. What were those times like that he lived? Well, it was illegal uh, to own a Bible in the vernacular tongue. And when I say vernacular, I mean in the language of the people. Uh, it wouldn't have mattered whether it was France or German or wherever it was. Mm-hmm. It was illegal to own a Bible or to preach in English or for that matter, to have any portion of it. In reading the book of Fox's Book of Martyrs, uh, there's a a very interesting, interesting story to tell you how serious it was. It happened in Coventry in 1519 during William Tyndall's lifetime, uh, but there was seven people arrested, and their crime was that they were teaching their children the Lord's Prayer in English, and they were teaching their children the Ten Commandments in English. Now, 
there was a widow who had a number of children, and at first they let her loose. Now, why she did what she did, I don't know, but when the sheriff came to take her off of the stand because they were going they were going to lead the other six to be burned at the stake mm. at Coventry, something rattled in her sleeve, and he reached into her sleeve, and there he pulled out the Lord's Prayer in English. So they marched her right to the stake, put wood around them, and they burned them to ashes for such an, uh, a, a crazy thing as teaching their children the Lord's Prayer and the Ten Commandments in English. If you were caught preaching in English, you would be burned at the stake. Uh, there's a number of illustrations of that as well. So why was this anathema to them? Well, it was anathema because it undermined the power of the Roman Catholic Church. You see, the Roman Catholic Church... Um, uh, they collected indulgences uh, to build uh, St. Peter's. Uh, they believed in purgatory. They believed in praying to the dead saints. In fact, later on the program, perhaps we can look at what William Tyndall was convicted of. Sure. And one of the things that he was convicted of is saying that uh, uh, salvation is by grace through faith alone. And that was a ma- anathema to them because they were expected to to keep the sacraments that they had at that time in order to get to heaven. So they wanted to keep them ignorant of what the Word of God said. So, friends, today we're discussing the life and legacy of William Tyndale, and uh, it is he that was uh, uh, martyred October 6, 1536. But let's review his life. Tell us a little bit about his birth, and, and what do we know about his family? Well, it's very interesting. He came from a wealthy family, uh, and uh, because of that, uh, he had some special treatment that I'll be telling you about. But he was he was born near North Nibley. There's a there's a, a beautiful place in England. Every time I go to England, I like to go to the Cotswolds, and the Cotswolds is about 800 square miles of rolling plains, and it was a rich area because they raised sheep, and it had a big wool trade, and so as a result of that. Uh, William Tyndall's dad, Richard, and his mom, Tabitha, and I don't know, they had between six and 11 children. I can't get anything definitive on that, and William Tyndall was one of those. But Jim, when when he was 12 years of age, uh, they were able to send him to Hartford College in Oxford, England, and boy, he was he was a bright young man. Uh, he received his BA in 1512, his MA in 1515, and uh, I have trouble uh, with English, and I do teach introductory to Greek, and when I was a missionary to Haiti, uh, I could smatter the French language, but William Tyndall knew English, Latin, Spanish, Italian, French, uh, German, Greek, and Hebrew, and Fox's Book of Martyrs says that he spoke them uh, so well that you could not tell it was not his birth language. Like, if I spoke to you in French and said, bonjour, monsieur, <laughs> you, you would know that I wasn't French because mm-hmm. uh, it wasn't even right. It, bonjour, monsieur, and that's mm-hmm. not even right. But if Tyndall did it, they would have said, you know, they would have thought that that was his language. But mm-hmm. that came in handy later when he comes to translating the Word of God, but a lot of people don't realize the only thing you could be upon pain of death uh, if you were going to do religious things. Uh, he was ordained in 1515 as a Roman Catholic priest, Jim, but things all changed because after his initial education, he went to Cambridge University and he attended there from 1517 to 1521. But this was a hotbed for um, Erasmus's Greek New Testament and the teachings of Luther. Erasmus actually taught at Cambridge for a couple of years before William Tyndall came there, uh, but they were circulating an illegal book, and that was Erasmus's 1516 Greek New Testament. He made other editions, and we'll talk about that when we come to what William Tyndall translates, but... Uh, so William Tyndall got saved there as he started reading uh, 
uh, the Greek and the Latin New Testament, and he started having a burning in his heart. He wanted to do something so that other people could read the Word of God as well. Well, you mentioned he was ordained as a Roman Catholic priest, but he didn't hold a Roman Catholic doctrine, did he? Well, not after Cambridge. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Not after Cambridge and studying the Word of God. See, that's why I want people to get into the Word of God, because faith cometh by hearing, Mm -hmm. and hearing by the Word of God. And so he picked up his Protestant convictions there, salvation by grace through faith, or we could go through it, sola scriptura, uh, sola gratia, all the souls. He picked up uh, those there at Cambridge University, which were completely contrary to the Roman Catholic Church. And uh, it's it's very, very interesting uh, that uh, (laughs) John Fox says that one person said William Tyndall was singularly addicted to the Scriptures. Man, if you're going to get to be addicted to something, uh, it needs to be the Scriptures. So, praise the Lord, we're to meditate in the Scriptures day and night. Amen. And, uh, wow, quite a story of his background. Ordained as a Roman Catholic priest, but uh, coming in conflict with this. Matter of fact, he actually got into an argument with a Roman Catholic priest. Uh, I love it. It's private residence. It's called Little Sodbury Manor, right there in the middle of the Cotswolds. You can get up and look out of the field. You've been there. Uh, I've been there three times, and uh, I know Lord and Lady Killarn. I I don't know that they're alive anymore because I haven't been there for several years. Uh, but um, uh, it happened to be at that time Sir John Walsh, a knight, uh, he hired William Tyndall to be a tutor uh, for his children and also to be uh, the priest for uh, the people who worked for him, because these manor houses, they had fields, they had a lot of people working for them in the house, and so on and so forth. And and uh, uh, Sir John Walsh invited all of the Catholic prelates of the area there. And of course, his personal priest, William Tyndall, was there. And William Tyndall was sitting next to a priest, and the priest started talking and uh, every time the priest would bring up something, William Tyndall would say, well, the Bible says. And the priest would bring something else up, and <laughs> William Tyndall says, well, here's what the Bible says. Well, as the argument goes on, the priest finally got fed up with William Tyndall quoting him the Bible. They don't study the Bible. They don't know the Bible. They study canon law. And the priest said, we were better to be without God's law than the Pope's. Oh, my. Now, history says that William Tyndall was a redhead. I don't know whether it has anything to do with it. But William Tyndall stood up and said, I defy the Pope and all his laws. If God spare my life ere many years past, I will cause that a boy that driveth the plow shall know more of the Scripture than thou dost. Wow. Powerful statement, friends. We're going to come back with this right after the break. Dr. David Brown is with us today. We're discussing the life and legacy of William Tyndale. We'll be back in just one minute. You're listening to Crosstalk on the VCY America Network. Back to Genesis with Dr. John Morris, popular creation speaker with the Institute for Creation Research. Dr. Morris, did Noah's Ark have to contain two of every species we find on planet Earth today? Not at all, Chris. In fact, this is a straw man argument used by those who really don't believe in Noah's Ark at all. The Bible says that God created each basic type of animal after its kind, and that Noah was to bring two of each kind of animal on board the ark. Kind would be represented by the basic categories of animals today, such as the dog kind. Within the dog kind, there are several species. That's the wolves and the foxes and the coyotes and the dingoes. They are called species, but they're all infertile. They're all part of the dog kind. There was plenty of room on board the ark for two of each of these various kinds of land-dwelling, air-breathing animals. The Bible story holds water, as it were. We read about it when we go back to Genesis. For more on creation, visit our website at www.icr.org.
listening to Crosstalk on VCY America. Dr. David Brown is with us today, pastor of the First Baptist Church of Oak Creek, and uh, also president of Logos Communications Consortium, president of the King James Bible Research Council, and uh, he has also authored uh, the indestructible book, Examining the History of Our English Bible. And uh, we are here today discussing the life and legacy of William Tyndale, who uh, was martyred on October 6, 1536, on account of his, well, his translation of the Bible into English, into a common language for the people to understand. Now, Pastor Brown, you just had us at Little Sodbury Manor and taking us to the room there with this uh, discussion. Uh, William Tyndale himself, an ordained Catholic priest who did not adhere to Roman Catholic doctrine, yet he's in discussion, should I say, argument <laughs> with a Roman Catholic priest there. Yes, and, and when he said, I defy the Pope and all his laws, if God spare my life ere many years pass, I will cause that a boy that driveth the plow shall know more of the Scripture than thou dost, that got him in big trouble. They called him up to... Uh, the local bishops, and Tyndall says, they berated me as though I were a dog. Mm -hmm. They really took him to task. And William Tyndall got concerned for the Walsh family. The Walsh family had been very good to him. He was able to preach in the little chapel. There's still ruins up on the hill, but uh, and he was able to preach biblical doctrine to all the people who were there, but he didn't want to get the, the, the Walsh family into trouble. And so uh, even though he started, it's, it's, it was really a blessing to me to go up into the little room where William Tyndall would look out in the rolling hills of the Cotswolds and see the plowboys there. And he started his translation work right there at Little Sodbury Manor. He went to London and he asked the bishop uh, there at St. Paul's, he said, can I translate the Bible into English? And <laughs> oh boy, they really let him have it. Mm. Absolutely not. They they said he wasn't a good Catholic, and so he knew that he had to get out of England, and he did. He had to flee uh, to, uh, well, he had to flee to Germany, actually, uh, to be able to continue his work. So l tell us more about this translating the Bible, uh, the New Testament into English. Uh, what tools did he have? What materials did he have to work with? Uh, what was available for him? Well, that's um, uh, uh, we are at the edge of what is called the Dark Ages. Uh, in the Dark Ages, Rome controlled everything from birth to death. They controlled education. Uh, when births, children were born, they were recorded in the Roman Catholic Church. When they died, uh, they were buried in the Roman Catholic Cemetery. They had to, uh, and they controlled everything. And you couldn't read the Word of God, but uh, there's three things that brought an end to the Dark Ages that opens the door for William Tyndall. Number one, uh, Mohammed II uh, conquered Constantinople. That was the first thing you say, well, that brought an end to the Dark Ages. Yes, because most of the Bible scholars, the Greek and, and the Hebrew uh, texts were there in Constantinople, and when uh, Islam... Uh, came into Constantinople, they fled to the West. They came to England, they came to Germany, and they brought their sacred manuscripts with them. The second thing was, uh, it comes to uh, Johann Gutenberg. Now, some people think that Johann Gutenberg invented the printing press. He did not. He modified the printing press, but what um, Gutenberg was, he was a goldsmith. And so what Gutenberg did was he invented individual letters, Jim, of the alphabet that you could be put into a locked frame, and then you could print pages of things, and then change the lettering and print more pages of things. You say, why is that such a big deal? Well, because before that, if you were going to print anything, it had to be carved into a hard wood block. Mm. And so that hard wood block was then put on the printing press, and then it would make so many impressions until it gave out. But with Gutenberg, it was amazing uh, how quick things could go. As I mentioned earlier in the program, uh, to print a Wycliffe Bible by hand, to write a Wycliffe Bible by hand, 10 months. 10 months. 
But uh, once Gutenberg's press came, you could do things much faster and much less expensive. And finally, it's Desiderius Erasmus of Rotterdam, who is the second illegitimate son of a Catholic priest and a physician's daughter. Uh, It happens to be that Desiderius Erasmus of Rotterdam uh, traveled all over Europe collecting manuscripts. Never before had all the individual manuscripts, the Greek manuscripts of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all the way through Revelation, they had been separate and circulated, as we see in the Old Testament. But what Erasmus did was he collected them all together, and in 1516, he took all of his manuscripts and then printed them in uh, a New Testament volume, Greek in one column, and a new translation of Latin in the other column. And the reason he did it to begin with was he wanted to prove the corruption in the Latin Vulgate. For instance, Luke 13, 3 and 5, if you translated uh, the Latin the way that uh, Rome did, it would say, except you do penance, ye shall all likewise perish. No, 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 no. Um, The exact translation is, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. And the Greek word repent means to do an about-face realizing you're lost and you do the about face to Jesus. Penance is suffering yourself so that you can merit salvation. So here we have Erasmus, and he gets it all in one volume. In the 1519 revision of Erasmus's work, Martin Luther used that to print his 1522 September New Testament that started the Reformation in Germany. Now, in 1522, William Tyndall gets a hold of Erasmus's most recent translation that has 1 John 5, 7 in it because he found additional manuscripts. And what William Tyndall does is he takes Erasmus's work and very meticulously translates the Greek into what we have in our English Bible, the first English Bible, Jim. First printed edition of it. Any idea how many copies were made? Yes. Um, our, our best knowledge is, is about 3,000 of them. Now, again, they don't have exact history. Some people say there was 6,000. But uh, in 1526, there are only two and a half copies of them left because they were an illegal book. And they only found one in 1997 in the Stuttgart Library. Otherwise, there's only one and a half. And at St. Paul's, what happened with William Tyndall's 1526 edition was they started smuggling him into England in bolts of cloth and and in uh, barrels of flour. Uh, And the Bishop of uh, uh, St. Paul's in London found out about it. So he purchased... Nearly all of them. There's only two and a half surviving in one. They pulled right out of the fire and and kept it. But uh, if you go there today, as I've been there, and, and you go to St. Paul's right in the middle of London, outside there's new St. Paul's Cross, but then there's a mark on the ground that says old St. Paul's Cross. And that's where uh, the Bishop of London got all the Tyndall Bibles and ripped them up and mm. burned them and preached against William Tyndall, saying, these are infernal books, you should not do them, we're going to burn these Bibles, and if we catch you with one of them, we're going to burn you. It's amazing. What a miraculous story, and yet I think of the scripture that says, you know, uh, till heaven and earth, you know, one jot, one tittle is not going to pass from this until all be fulfilled. So no matter how hard they have tried to stomp out God's Word, and right. seeing it proliferated, God's <laughs> Word still stands. Amen. Hmm. Amen. So uh, so we have the first printing, and and uh, that was not—he just didn't stop with the New Testament. Uh, He—there uh, was a printing of the, the yes, Bible. Yes, we, we have a facsimile right here of, of the 1530 uh, Pentateuch, which is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Mm-hmm. He also took the money— that was to purchase the 1526, 
and he made a revised edition, 1534, uh, and they continued to smuggle them in. So uh, the uh, Bishop of London wasn't successful in in what he did at all. Uh, so um, he continued to do his work. And this was really in defiance of the Catholic Church. Oh, oh. I mean, <laughs> and they actually hated him. How strong was that hate? Well, that that hatred was really strong because they issued a warrant for his arrest, and they hired a man named Henry Phillips. Now, Henry Phillips was a real scumbag. He was a real scoundrel. Uh, he went over there and pretended to be William Tyndall's friend there, where William Tyndall was staying on the continent, and... Um, uh, he got into the confidence of William Tyndall, and he asked William Tyndall, hey, let me take you out to supper. Well, they had the soldiers already, and he wanted the soldiers to know what William Tyndall looked like. So at the appointed time, William Tyndall came out, and Henry Phillips said, oh, I forgot my purse back there. And Tyndall says, I've got money. I'll, 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 I'll pay for supper. So Tyndall went back in. But when he came out... The soldiers got a hold of him, and in May 21st, 1535, they seized him at Antwerp, where he was at, and then they took him uh, to uh, 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 north of Brussels, Belgium, to a place called Velvord Castle. Now, Velvord Castle no longer stands. I've been uh, to Velvord Castle, uh, and there was an old prison that stood there, and they used some of the bricks and blocks to build a prison, but that prison, the last time I was there, was also abandoned. But for 500 days, Jim, 500 days, they kept William Tyndall imprisoned, uh, and uh, what he did those 500 days, I, I think it's real interesting. I'm going to read you from a letter. It's the only letter that we have that's actually signed by William Tyndall. The letter's written in Latin. I've had it translated. I'm not a good Latin reader, but William Tyndall then, while he's in prison, he asks for a warm cap, a coat, and pants, a piece of cloth to patch his tattered clothing. He asks for a candle. You say, well, okay, what is all that? But listen to this. He asks for his Hebrew Bible, probably a 1521 Bomberg uh, Hebrew Bible, he asked for his Hebrew dictionary and his Hebrew grammar because you know what he's doing? Remember, he in, in 1530, he published Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Now he picks up from there, and before he's burned at the stake, he goes through Second Chronicles. And earlier on, he had, pub, he had done Jonah, too, a little, a little short, short place. But 500 days, Jim, and the cool part about it is, is, he led his jailer to the Lord. Well, wow. he led his jailer's wife to the Lord and the jailer's adult children to the Lord. Sounds like the Philippian jailer in <laughs> Acts chapter 16. Amen, brother. Friends, we're going to take a quick break here and uh, talking with uh, Pastor David Brown. And uh, some of you may wonder, what were the charges against William Tyndale? We'll be looking at some of those charges after the break, as well as his martyrdom, giving his life that you can I, you and I could read the Bible in our own language. Back in one minute, you're listening to Crosstalk on VCY America. The Apostle Paul's letter to the Romans is a powerful epistle proclaiming the glory of Christ, teaching sound doctrine, and giving believers boldness. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Read by Brad Canterbury. VCY America is offering an audio CD of a complete reading of the book of Romans, telling of God's amazing love. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This audio recording also reveals God's amazing gift to mankind. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord good for yourself or to share with others. Paul's Letter to the Romans on CD, available for a donation of $9 from VCY America. Call 1-800-729-9829. 
You're listening to Crosstalk on VCY America. Pastor David Brown is with us today and uh, taking uh, a time to look at the life and legacy of William Tyndale. And uh, friends, we uh, are have so much to share in appreciation and thanks to our God for having the Bible in a language we can read and understand today. And uh, we'll talk more about that here in just a moment. But uh, when we talk about William Tyndale, he was uh, arrested. We know what he was doing was in defiance of the Catholic Church. They hated him. The strong hate that they had worked for a plot, actually, to have him apprehended. But, Pastor, what were the charges against Tyndale? What what was it that they could really lay down and say, hey, this is this is where he's off course, and, and uh, these are the charges against him? Well, they, uh, uh, there was a, a Latimus and Tapper were his inquisitors, and they went after him for publishing the Bible in English because you were only supposed to have a Latin Bible, and they tried to get him to recant of his biblical beliefs. Here is just a few of them. William Tyndall would not move from his belief that faith alone justifies. Hmm. You don't have to do works. Uh, He maintained that to believe in the forgiveness of sins and to embrace the mercy offered in the gospel was enough for salvation. He really made him mad. He denied that there was any purgatory. He denied transubstantiation. Uh, He affirmed that neither Mary nor any of the dead saints pray for us in their own person. And uh, (laughs) he was put to death for those things. And, man, I believe those same things, Jim. I've known you a long time. You believe those same things. If we had lived back in those days, we would have been. But not only that. Uh, the very fact that he provided material for other people to preach the Word of God. Uh, I'm I'm thinking about uh, William Woosley and Robert Piggott. William Woosley and Robert Piggott got a hold of Tyndall Bibles. They were illegal, and they were street preaching, and they got caught street preaching. And so if you ever get a chance to go to London, find where Smithfield is. It's right near where Benjamin Franklin did his... uh, printing near the hospital there, but not much left is Smithfield. It used to be as wide as a football field and that sort of things, but uh, they put them there. They got a bunch of Tyndall Bibles and his other books that he wrote, and uh, they were tearing them up, and and, uh, William Woosley says, can I have one of those Bibles? And so while the fire is trying to burn and they're getting the the stuff to burn, what happens with Woosley, he starts reading from William Tyndall, starting with John 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. He starts reading from the book of John as the fire starts doing, and Woosley is praying. And all I'm telling you is what the historian said. It says one-third of the people, it's estimated, came to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as these two men for preaching the gospel, were burned at the stake. We we have a blood-bought mm-hmm. book, Jim, mm-hmm. and we need to get in it and read it yeah. and believe it. Yeah. Well, so this their martyrdom happened prior to William yes. Tyndale's martyrdom. Yes. So tell us about William Tyndale's death. Well, uh, they uh, took him after 500 days, and they built a platform and have all of the tinder around it. They're going to burn him. And they say to William Tyndall, do you have any last words? And he said, yes. Lord, open the king of England's eyes. The historian says they strangled him, and some people say he died, and some people say he didn't, but he was burned to ashes right there in Velvord Castle Yard. But God did answer his prayer, I have right here, This is the Matthews Bible of 1537, and while Coverdale uh, produced a whole Bible, Matthews has a whole Bible, and it contains William Tyndall's Genesis, the Second Chronicles, and Jonah, and then the rest of it is from Coverdale's. It wasn't a translation. It was translation from German and Latin. Uh, But nonetheless, uh, it was answered. The Matthews Bible was approved by the king, uh, Henry VIII, and 
obviously Henry didn't read it because if I opened this up, you could see uh, William Tyndall's words to the reader are written right in this Bible. Mm. And so it was answered prayer. And ultimately, going a little bit further, Henry VIII, before he died, commissioned something called the Great Bible and demanded that it be in every church and that a reader be there so that the people could hear the Word of God. So many people couldn't read English, even though it was in English. And um, a Reformation started. Many people came to know Jesus Christ. Bloody Mary tried to put it down, Hmm. but the Bible stands. Wow. Amen. It does. Uh, There are some words that (laughs) that are used, uh, common expressions today, proverbial expressions that uh, were really translated by Tyndale. That's right. That's right. You, You recognize them. You know Uh, what they are, uh, let there be light, and there was light. Uh, You're the salt, ye are the salt of the earth. Another one is, am I my brother's, we use some of these today. I said to somebody not long ago, uh, or they said to me, am I my brother's keeper? And I told them, yes, you are. The powers that be fight the good fight, uh, a law unto themselves, male and female created he them. Uh, It says, who told thee that thou art naked? And then oh, what is so often spoken, even by me in a benediction, the Lord bless thee and keep thee, that whole thing there, filthy lucre, and all those things. William Tyndall was the first to use the term Jehovah, hmm. the first to use the term Passover, atonement, scapegoat, the mercy seat, uh, all of those things that are there uh, in the Old Testament from Genesis to Second chronicles, Jim. Interesting indeed. Pastor David Brown is with us today, and uh, we appreciate even knowing this history, especially as we think about the, the, the you called it a blood-bought book. Uh, being biblically accurate, faithful to the underlying Greek task, text was very important to Tyndale, and uh, even though this produced greater conflict with Roman Catholicism at the same time. Yeah, it it certainly did, because as we already spoke there, uh, he used terms that were accurately translated from the Greek. Uh, he refused to use the word priest in the New Testament, mm-hmm. uh, and he used the word elder, and then repentance instead of penance, and he used the word congregation instead of church. Uh, and um, he just... Uh, Eighty-five percent of everything that he translated from Genesis to Second Chronicles and Jonah, and then all of the New Testament, eighty-five percent of that agrees with my King James version of the Bible. Right. He was such an accurate translator, Jim. Pastor, how can our listeners learn more about this topic? Well, uh, you can. Uh, I've written a whole book on on it. It's called the Indestructible Book. Uh, the history of our English Bible, as you mentioned, and uh, it's available on, you have to say, David L. Brown, Dr. David L. Brown, because there's another book by that title, Uh, but um, it's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble's Books a Million. Um, You have to order it online. They usually don't have it in the bookstore if you went to Barnes & Noble, but it is in their books, and I trace the whole history from Mount Sinai, and then it covers William Tyndall, but it also covers uh, the other Bibles, the Geneva Bible of the Pilgrims, uh, in that book, Jim. And it's it's a good read, but it's a long read. It's 500 pages long. Okay, again, it's called The Indestructible Book, Examining the History of Our English Bible by David L. Brown. Uh, so you can find information there. You'll also find some articles uh, dealing with this issue at a couple of websites, Logos Resource Pages dot org, yep. logosresourcepages.org, and uh, you're also in the process of building another site, thebiblestands.org. Yes, and that's going to have articles specifically focusing on uh, our King James Bible and its history, and uh, we're putting together as we speak, there's not a lot of articles right now, but each week, as time allows, I'm adding 
a couple articles a week, and it'll be building and building. Friends, we are opening our phone lines to take your calls, your questions on our topic today. We're talking about the life and legacy of William Tyndale and uh, so much of his work, friends. We have him to thank for what we are able to read in our English Bibles today. Uh, our number to cross talk, 800 733 Our phone number here to Crosstalk today is, again, we're discussing the life and legacy of William Tyndale. I I can't imagine what it would be like, Pastor, to not have a Bible in the language we know and understand. Yes, and and, uh, the Roman Catholic Church started what's called the Inquisition, and that's uh, a part of this Dark Ages thing because uh, they didn't want people to know the truth of the Scriptures. Uh, I'm thinking about uh, uh, back in the 1300s, there were some Irish priests who went to Oxford University to learn the Bible. They got there, and there was not a Bible in the entire library there. Uh, So they went home because they could not learn at all what the Scriptures was. In fact, the Roman Catholic Church really didn't even want the priests reading the Bible they would read a little bit of the Psalms for their homilies. Sometimes they'd read a little bit of the Gospels, uh, but they wanted them primarily uh, teaching Catholic dogma. And people who didn't do that, mm-hmm. uh, they were <laughs> burned at the stake, put on the rack, or whatever, Jim. Our number to cross talk, 800-733-9829. Let's begin with Mark calling from Newark, Ohio. Hi, Mark. You're on the air. Well, hi. Uh, glad he's on there because it's a lot of good information he's given out. I got a question. The question is: Is it his last name is Kendleton? Is the man's name? And our guest today? No, the uh, William the Tyndale man that wrote the Bible. Tin, Tyndale. William Tyndale. T Y N. Tyndale. D A L E. And sometimes where did, he, it's spelled... where did he get his information? Did he get him off the scriptures that was? that was written down by the prophets and well well what william tyndall did is he uh translated uh, the 1521 uh daniel bomberg uh hebrew old testament uh he translated that into english and then he must have missed a part of the program because he used erasmus's 1522 uh a greek Latin text, Greek in one column, Latin in the other column, and he translated that. Erasmus had gone all over Europe and gotten manuscripts and readings of the New Testament and then published them all in one book. So that's what William Tyndall did. He translated the Hebrew Old Testament and the Greek New Testament of Erasmus. Okay, thank you. Thank you for the call. And uh, tell you what, we're just 30 seconds before our break, so we'll come back to your calls here in just a moment. Uh, the number is 800-733-9829. Dr. David Brown is our guest today. And again, his book that goes much more in-depth on this whole issue is entitled The Indestructible Book, Examining the History of Our English Bible uh, by David L. Brown. And uh, you'll find that uh, at uh, some of the book distributors uh, by that name. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in one minute. This is Crosstalk on VCY America. Today we are remembering the life and legacy of William Tyndale, who was burned at the stake October 6, 1536. Back in one minute here on Crosstalk. For the Worldview Report, I'm Brandon House. Our website is worldviewreport.com. Last week, Joe Biden signed an executive order creating a climate change core. It's a youth core. And one of the groups behind it has been the Sunrise Movement. This is an organization we've been covering since 2020. It is a Marxist organization that works with many radical Islamists as well. And their goal is not just green energy. That's a masking term. Their goal by their own website says is to take away our Second Amendment rights and to get rid of all fossil fuels. They also want mandatory jobs. In other words, a guaranteed job. They want to stack 
the American government with radical Marxists that have been trained through their program. And now they're asking to start with for $10 billion. Please understand, they're going after your children and grandchildren with this program to put Marxists into the government after they've been trained through our schools. You don't want this funded by the federal government. Stay tuned. This is Crosstalk on VCY America discussing the life and legacy of William Tyndale. Friends, remember that name and thank God for his work, his life, his ministry. And let's go right back to the phone lines. Uh, Let's go next to uh, Jim, who is calling in from the state of Wisconsin. Jim, you're on the air. Hi, gentlemen. Uh, uh, Pastor Brown, thank you so much for your ministry. I just ordered some materials from your ministry, so thank you so much for that. Uh, my question is, I was raised on the King James Version of the Bible, and it, you guys are you're talking about how uh, Mr. Tyndall uh, translated the Bible for the, into the language that the common people could understand. Sure. And I'd just like to know what your thoughts are on, um, I'd like to make the ESV available to people so they can understand it. They weren't raised on King James. What is your thoughts? Well, there's two different lines of manuscripts. That's a whole other... Uh whole nother topic. Uh, there's the traditional text that the King James Bible uses, and then there's the eclectic text. And the problem is, is that there's uh, 8,000 differences between the modern version text that is used in the King James Version. In fact, there's 17 complete verses missing in the modern versions of the Bible uh, because uh, they're left out uh, in the modern versions because of di- different text lines. So I just encourage people to buy a defined King James Bible if they're having problems with the word. But I want you to read the Bible. I just want mm-hmm. you to read the Bible. Yeah, so. but thank you for the call. And really, that's most important. We, You know, we, we have the scriptures. Are we reading them? That's we, it. And are we obeying them? Yes. You know, it's uh, many will hold a Bible uh, in their hands, uh, you know, once a year or something, and, uh, you know, to find that verse of the year. But are we really living it and, and applying it to our lives? Uh, we've got uh, Ron next in Mesa, Arizona. Ron, you're on the air. Hello, Ron. Hi. Um, I just wanted to add a comment to this uh, discussion today that back when all of this was done by William Tyndall and others, there was uh, a huge rebellion by a lot of the people that didn't want to uh, go along with the Catholic way of doing things, and they were called Protestants. And today we call them Protestants. And I think today a lot of people think that Protestant is a, a religion, and it's really a Protestant. And uh, William Tyndale and many others in, in uh, Germany and France did so much to bring the Bible to us, and I just praise God for their life. Thank you. Yep, that's true. Uh, that's what the Reformation was all about. Uh, they wanted to reform the Catholic Church, but they ultimately uh, came out of the Catholic Church, but Baptists are not Protestants, never been Protestants. Baptists usually were killed off, and as they studied the Bible, they never came out of Rome because they were never in Rome. So there's like three different things. There's Catholics, Protestants, and then there's the independents like Baptists. Okay, thank you. Uh, Let's see, Eddie is next in Texas. Eddie, you're on the air. Uh, Yes, thank you, Brother Jim. Uh, uh, Brother, I just wanted to ask uh, uh, on Tyndall's uh, Thank you for his uh, superb work on God's Word. Uh, the I, I I know I have my my Bible. I have the uh, King James Version, nineteen sixty, and uh, it's translated. I have it in English and in Spanish. It translate in Spanish. Did he did that as well? That work on the on the translation on the Bible for the Spanish reading. No, no uh, uh, the, that would be the Reina Volera. Reina Volera are the ones Reina. I forget which one did the Old Testament, which one did the New Testament, but the Reina Volera, and the most accurate one today, because there's some problems with the Reina Volera, is the Reina Volera Gomez, in my estimation. That's the closest one uh, to uh, what it should be. But uh, Tyndall, uh, see, when uh, back in those days, they used the traditional text, and that was the best text to use to translate the Bible, is the most accurate. So... Tyndall didn't do the Spanish, but uh, Reina uh, and Volera did. Great. 
Thank you, Eddie. Thank you for the call from Texas here today and talking about the life and legacy of William Tyndale. And uh, again, Pastor, you mentioned about what percent of our English Bible came from Tyndale? Yeah, about 85 percent. And that means all the New Testament and Genesis through Second Chronicles, Mm -hmm. Jim. It's not taking into account the things he didn't translate, but of all that he translated, all the New Testament, Genesis through Second Chronicles, uh, 85%. He was such a good translator that uh, it is consistent with our King James Version of the Bible today. We know that that there were many martyred for their faith. Oh. Uh, you mentioned some that uh, were, were just preaching, street preaching and uh, killed on account of their faith. William Tyndale burned at the stake for yeah. his doing so. Yeah. Share with us about another. One of the exciting things when I was studying for my Ph.D., I went uh, over to England to trace down a lot of these things that I read in Fox's Book of Martyrs, and I went to uh, Cardiff, Wales, and I was looking for the location of the martyrdom of Rollins White. Uh, Rollins White uh, was a fisherman, uh, and uh, Rollins White was illiterate, but he uh, sent his little boy to school so he could learn to read. And so he got a William Tyndall Bible, and his son would read him the William Tyndall Bible, and Rollins White would memorize great portions of that, and then go out and preach. Mm. And so uh, he was doing this in in, in Cardiff, Wales, uh, when he got caught, uh, and then uh, they beat him senseless with a club and ultimately burned him at the stake for preaching uh, the Word of God, repeating what he had memorized there, and I was looking for the place that he was martyred, and I could not find it. Finally, I stopped and asked a policeman, and she said, oh, it's in that big department store there. Uh, it's in the middle of the men's department. My. There's a memorial of where this man was burned at the my, stake my. for uh, preaching the Word of God. A couple yeah. callers coming in in just the last moments. Uh, Marcia in Duluth, Minnesota, you're on the air. Hi, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. <clears throat> You know, I appreciate uh, uh, Pastor Brown speaking on this today. Not too long ago, you had the story of William Tyndale on uh, that that program. It's out at 345, um, uh, Stories of Great Christians, Mm -hmm. I believe it was. Mm -hmm. But all of the detail that Pastor um, Brown has spoken about, it it sure makes it more real because he has all the details. And I wanted to say something. I tell you what, we're out of time, and I'm sorry about that, Marcia, or Marcy, rather. I'm going to have to have you call in earlier next time. But Pastor Brown, thank you for being with us today. It's it's been great to tell the story. (laughs) Indeed. And uh, friends, learn more at uh, logosresourcepages.org, also thebiblestands.org, a site that's being developed. God bless you, friends. Thanks for joining us on Crosstalk. Thank God today for His Word. You've been listening to Crosstalk via satellite and the Internet from BCY America. Views expressed may or may not be those of this station. For a CD of today's program, send a donation of $6 or more to VCY Tape Ministry, 3434 West Kilbourne Avenue, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 53208. Or download by RSS or podcast from CrosstalkAmerica.com. And join us again for Crosstalk. Crosstalk.